You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. There's been a lot of sturm and drang, as all y'all know, if you've been following the podcast and the national news about proms, about gay and lesbian kids wanting to take same-sex dates to their proms and being allowed or disallowed, going, being suspended so they can't go to prom, being some of them kicked out of their homes by their parents after their kids uh, made the news. And I just wanted to point to a positive story, a little upbeat story. A couple of seniors at Hudson High School in Hudson, New York, ran for prom king and queen and won, and the school crowned them and there was no problem. It's progress. Not only did the kids get the most votes, but their victories were so overwhelming that there were no runners up. The entire student body at Hudson High School in upstate New York voted for these two guys to be their prom king and queen. They're not uh, boyfriends. They're best friends. And they had a little uh, bickering at the end to figure out who would wear the tiara and who would wear the crown. And in an angle that I really love, just two years ago, in 2008, another kid at that same school ran for prom queen and won. And the school administration barred him from being crowned. So just in two years, this one high school in America went from disallowing a a gay prom queen to kind of, I think, throwing their hands up and saying, you know what, it's a brave new world, it's a whole new world. Clearly, the kids at this school don't have a problem with their gay and lesbian peers, and we administrators are going to stop having a problem with gay and lesbian students and start treating them equally, just like their classmates and peers are. So congratulations to Charlie Ferrasi and Timmy Howard, the prom king and queen at Hudson High School, and congratulations really to Augie Apatakola, Abatecola, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, who ran for prom queen in 2008 and was barred from being crowned by the administrators because he really laid the groundwork for the victory two years later by his classmates. Congratulations to all three guys at that school and congratulations to the administrators and to the whole student body at Hudson High School for being over it. Now, when I've been talking about these proms, every once in a while I get a call or an email from somebody saying prom doesn't matter, prom is unimportant, why are you dedicating so much time to these prom stories? Yeah, prom is kind of trifling, unless you're a high school senior and then it can seem very important. I guarantee you by the time you're a college freshman, it won't seem that important anymore. But when you're a high school senior, prom is very important. But it is, in the grand scheme of things, kind of minor, kind of piddling, kind of trifling, which is why it's kind of important. Because if they can't see their way clear to treating us like human beings when it comes to trifles like prom, they'll never see their way clear to treating us like human beings when it comes to more important things like marriage. On to your calls. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Smitten Kitten, offering an amazing selection of products for your sex life. Enter savage at smittenkittenonline.com for 20% off your purchase. Hi, um, uh, a friend of mine's niece was recently caught um, by her father um, making out with an older guy. She's actually only 11, um, and the and the guy she was caught making out with is 19. And so, um, understandably, her family was really, really upset. 
Um, and I think her, her family's sort of solution was just to ground her for the entire summer. Um, I think they sort of discovered that, um, the, the boy was not aware of how old she was. Um, and I don't think that they're planning on pressing charges or anything. Um, but my friend is very concerned, of course, that, um, her, her brother's family is just kind of going to punish the girl and then just try and move on and not talk about it anymore. And so we were just sort of looking for, um, maybe some advice or some resources about what we could do to um, sort of just help this girl, you know, figure out what she's going through and maybe find a healthier outlet for her curiosity. I'm hoping she's a mature 11 and he's a very immature 19 because that's the only way I can really wrap my head around all the punishment falls on her head, comes down on her, that she's the one uh, grounded for the summer and he's not the one in trouble with the law. You know, my kid is 12 and I'm around a lot of uh, fifth and sixth graders and I've never really, you know, I've seen some, you know, fifth grade girls who grew like weeds, but I've never really seen an 11 year old girl who didn't look like an 11 year old girl. And the onus is on 19 year olds to have bullshit and 11 year old girl detectors fully firing before they stick their tongues in the mouths of anyone. But, you know, maybe on the ground there, maybe she's, you know, girls hit puberty, younger girls mature faster. Maybe she's got a big rack, maybe a big 11 year old rack. Maybe he really is blameless and she was a deceptive little Jezebel harlot and uh, is fully deserving of the punishment that she's on the receiving end of, but maybe not. I'm thinking maybe not. I'm thinking some cultural prejudices about girls and female sexuality may be at play here if the entire family is mow-mowing this 11-year-old girl and giving this 19-year-old boy, the adult, a pass. I can understand not wanting to ruin his life if it really was, and it could ruin his life if, you know, if it really was an honest mistake, if she really is that good at uh, passing herself off as close enough to his own age for everything for the makeout session to have been legal and ethical and moral. All that said, what can you do? Well, I really feel like coming down on her this hard is going to backfire. I think she needs uh, perhaps a counselor, a therapist, uh, not in a punitive way, not someone who's going to, you know, carve the top of her head off and pop her brain out because uh, there's something terribly, terribly wrong with her. But she's acting out in in an inappropriate way and and it's going to muck her life up and get her in trouble and she could hurt, you know, guys who may not knowingly be doing anything wrong or intentionally doing anything wrong. Becoming down on her like this, grounded for the summer, I just feel like she's going to rebel more than she perhaps already has. I'm not sure that there's a lot of resources out there for 11-year-olds who pass themselves off as 18-year-olds or 15-year-olds and make out with 19-year-olds. Don't think there's a support group for that or an organization for that. But what she needs in her life are supportive adults that she can talk to and rely on who don't just – who aren't just there to say no, who support her – in her, you know, burgeoning, obviously, clearly her burgeoning interest in boys and sexuality and who can encourage her to take it slow, to realize that she's going to have plenty of time to stick her tongue in the mouth of guys. But that 11, sticking your tongue in the mouth of 19-year-olds is just asking for trouble. So what she needs in her life is an adult who can affirm her interest in sex 
and help her direct it at more appropriate targets, perhaps more innocent interactions and relationships with age-appropriate partners, which would mean 11, 12, 13-year-old in her middle school with her boyfriends at chaperoned events. I know I sound like a Victorian grandma right now. At chaperoned events. And by age 12, by age 13, if she needs it, perhaps not on birth control. I think you should consult with her doctor. But hormonal birth control for an 11-year-old could probably put a big zap on her uh, physically, medically, mentally that she's not ready for. But clearly, this is a girl who needs to be walked through. You know, there's open the newspaper. I'm you know, selling a Victorian grandma again, I'm probably the only grandma out there listening right now who opens a newspaper ever. You can read stories about knocked up 11, 12, 13 year old girls every day. She needs to know about the morning after pill. She needs to know about condoms. She needs to know about interventions. Should she become sexually active? God fucking forbid that don't require her parents' consent or regular access to a birth control pill dispenser that her parents might buy. That she might not be able to get. That might not be healthy for her to get. Sounds like you need to step in and be that adult in her life. You need to step in and be the can't ground her, can't yell at her, can't bust her adult in her life that she can go to for advice and that she can rely on for help if she needs help, which could include, uh, come the time, getting her the morning after pill. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 25-year-old Muslim male who's actually calling you from London, United Kingdom. Um, I recently... I guess, come to terms with my sexuality uh, while living in London. And um, this past month, I started to open up to a couple of my friends. Apparently, it wasn't a big surprise. That's great. But um, this time, I actually allowed myself to, I guess, like someone. And I've liked people before in the past, women and men. And I've liked, you know, been approached by men and women as well. And this time, I guess... I was the one who was approaching someone, and it was an individual in college. And we just started noticing each other quite a bit, and I took the first step and tried to be bold and just decided to add him on Facebook one day. And we never spoke in person. I know it sounds really stalkery and things like that, but I took a chance. There are other avenues of getting to know people. So we've been conversing a couple of times now. There is no possible way that this guy does not know I'm not gay. And I don't know, I I guess I'm a little bit shy. I don't know how to approach the subject to him and let him know that, you know, I could be into him or, you know, it would be nice to get to know you type of thing. Um, Of course, all of this is all based on superficial values. Um, I haven't spoken to to him more than, like, three or four minutes, but um, we've had some really interesting uh, Facebook chats, and um, I'm sure he knows, but I just don't know how I should approach the subject. Um, this is my first time. I'm a 25-year-old Muslim virgin, so of course this is like really innocent shit. Can I just say how delighted I am by your call? The first delight was hearing you say that you're a 25-year-old virgin Muslim homo. Living in London, when I heard virgin Muslim homo, I was afraid Riyadh was going to come out of your mouth and I was going to have to say sorry for you. But you're living in London where there are many, 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 many homos uh, of all sorts of races, ethnicities, religious backgrounds, faiths, persuasions. So good for you. uh, Lucky for you. But otherwise, you just sound so 
darling. I can't stand it. You've got a crush, your first crush. And this is a point I've made many, many times that you really don't begin to mature socially, sexually, romantically if you're gay until you come out. Whatever age it, you are when you come out, set the clock. You're a 15-year-old girl or 11-year-old girl. You're a 15-year-old girl at that moment. You sound like a 15-year-old girl. You're a 25-year-old man. You sound like a 15-year-old girl with a crush who doesn't know what to do. And it's so cute and darling. And here's what, unfortunately, you're going to have to do. You're going to have to endure, as a 25-year-old man, all the embarrassments, mortifications, highs, elations that come with being a 15-year-old girl or boy who's just starting out. You've got to make all the mistakes and you know, walk into all the doors and step on all the rakes that everybody else did when they were teenagers uh, in high school and in middle school. You get to do uh, as an adult man. So what to do about this guy? Ask him out. Ta-ra, ta-ra. It's really as simple as that. You say, I'm gay and I'm, I, I'm attracted to you. I think you're really interesting and funny. And if you want to have it, go on a date sometime, that would be great. And you can add the caveat. I don't know if you're gay or not. And if you're not, I'd still like to be friends. If you are and you're interested, let's go on a date. I, I hope I didn't embarrass you, blah, blah, blah. And see what he says. He may be hanging back, feeling the same way about you that you're feeling about him. And it would be a shame if you two didn't get together and you didn't have your first kiss, your first relationship, because you were paralyzed by shyness and so is he. You've got to take at some point a risk or you'll never wind up in bed uh, or wind up having that first kiss or that first relationship ever. Or perhaps you will, but not with somebody that you picked, not that somebody that you, that you wanted, that you were attracted to. So take a risk. Tell him. Tell him. It seems scary the first time you do it. It really does, which is why so many people get that over with. At 15, not 25. People by the age 25 have often forgotten how scary it is to, to expose yourself like that, to make yourself vulnerable like that, to, to make the pass, to, to ask somebody out, to tell them you're interested. Because by age 25, they've been doing it for a decade. Well, here you are at 25 and you've never done it even once. Now's the time. Take the chance. Good luck. Give us a call back. Let us know how it went. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Smitten Kitten. Smitten Kitten has an amazing selection of products for your sex life. Whether you're single or with a partner, their non-toxic body-safe toys are the best quality products available. Shop their easy-to-navigate, secure website at smittenkittenonline.com or visit the newest Smitten Kitten location at 70 Broadway in Denver, Colorado. Take 20% off any order online or in-store with the code SAVAGE. Smitten Kitten, sex toys for everyday people. Uh, hey there, Dan. Um, I'm a 22-year-old female from New England, and I've got to get some answers. So, uh, just to preface my question, uh, I fucked and fooled around with my female friends until I was 16. I've had several straight monogamous relationships since then, <clears throat> then um, but I feel there is this missing piece to me in my identity, and I always break up with the guy based on the fact that I'm having trouble controlling my urges. Um, I get the desire to hook up with a girl when things start to get serious with the guy or when I start to lose interest, and I haven't acted on it because I just don't know how. It's got me so distraught, 
that I want a girl so bad, and I just have no clue if she's bi or lesbian, and I hit on her, and I freak out um, that somebody will see me and think I'm gay. So I get really drunk and end up going home with a guy and fucking him, and I've fucked a lot of guys. And I don't even know if I'm gay, but I do know that I like women sometimes more than men on several different wavelengths. Um, I also watch lesbian porn, and it's one of the only things that can get me off in an instant, but it's not satisfying. Um, all my boyfriends knew I was coping with this um, because I felt that they had the right to know, look, this is what I'm dealing with, and if you're with me, you should know kind of deal. Most were sympathetic, and some even didn't mind if I did hook up with a girl while dating them, but I wouldn't do that, you know, it's cheating. <laughs> uh, so moving forward, my question is this. I don't know how to hit on a woman and decipher whether she's just being nice or if she's picking up on my cues. And also, would polyamory perhaps be an option that I should try to explore? Um, I've never had a girlfriend, but I would not rule out the option. I am more attracted to men on average, but I'm attracted to some women. I'm really confused, and I don't know how to approach this situation, and I want to try dating a woman to see if that truly is what I've been looking for. Uh, Maybe that's why I always end up dumping my boyfriends. I don't know. I don't know what I want, what's right for me, and I just need help getting started or pointed in the right direction. I just listened to your call, and mm-hmm. it's my honor to, 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 to call you and be the first to tell you that you are a lesbian. Oh my God, really? Thank you and good night. Wow. Well, it just, you know, I think the reason that you find fucking men so easy and dumping men so easy is because there's nothing at stake emotionally with men. Right, Whereas yeah. it does sound like you're really, you know, and, there's a, and don't think just because you fucked men and enjoyed it that you're not a lesbian because most lesbians out there have fucked men. And many, many women who are lesbian identified and really lesbian oriented don't realize it until, you know, mid-20s, late-20s, sometimes even later in life. And they've assumed all this time that they must be bi, maybe, uh, or maybe, you know, very, very strongly bikes are so attracted to women, but they couldn't be lesbian because they've kind of enjoyed men and their penises and their bodies and had decent relationships with men. But their passion really was always women. Oh, yeah, and at, at a certain point, they stopped denying it. You, are, you say that you fear being perceived as gay. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, just being labeled as, as something and and having it maybe be inaccurate and then... Okay, but you're currently labeled as straight. Yeah. And that is inaccurate. So why are you (laughs) not uncomfortable with that inaccurate label? Let's pause to consider what that might... The reason might be perhaps homophobia, internalized homophobia, cultural prejudices you're afraid of being on the receiving end of. Um, my family is pretty liberal and, um... I don't think that they would have a problem with me coming out and saying that I was a lesbian. It's just more I wasn't sure of it. And until I can 100% be like, nope, this is the way I am. Okay, well, you you know, you don't have to say I am a lesbian before you hit on a woman, before you initiate a relationship with a woman. You can make up your mind about which placard, which identity best is the best fit for you. 
but you're going to at least have to risk being perceived as a lesbian, whether or not you want to identify as a lesbian, whether or not that's an accurate identity. You at least have to take that risk. And your unwillingness to take that risk is totally tied to homophobia, whether you're a lesbian or not. And you just need to like let people think whatever they're going to think. And you need to hit on the girls you're attracted to and let you know the clits fall where they may. Polyamory is not a solution. Polyamory is not a refuge for lesbian closeted cowards. Okay? It's not like you get to have a boyfriend for the straight bona fides and then you're going to find a girl who's willing to be your your true love on the side. Yeah, that's what I was thinking would be a good option for me, but... um... Like I said, I have no idea what I'm talking about. No, no one would, no, no, no man with any sense would settle for that, and no woman with any sense would settle for that. You have to be who you are, have some integrity, be honest, and I'm not saying you're a dyke. I was kind of teasing, saying for sure you're a dyke. I don't know, right? <laughs> but you are afraid to even explore the possibility because you're so terrified of other people thinking you're a lesbian. When there's a chance you could very well be a lesbian. Yeah, definitely. I mean, given the like majority of the first half of my life, I was predominantly that way, and then I just kind of switched. I guess I don't know what I did, but you know, female sexuality can be more fluid. I'm not saying that you know the experiences you've had with men were you know lies or necessarily deceptive of yourself or of them. You know, perhaps it was true to your experience the last few years. You're exploring heterosexual sex and your heterosexual capacity and maybe your heterosexual elements. But it really sounds like lesbian porn and thinking about women and blah, blah, blah. And the reason you're not pursuing women, all of that points to big closeted dyke. Oh, uh, hell yeah. I think I can finally uh, move on with life and be a happier person knowing that uh, deep down, I guess, what I felt all along really was right. You gotta trust your gut. Yeah, when it comes down to it. When you're fucking, when you're fucking men, do you have orgasms? Um, sometimes. And when you have those orgasms, what's going? What are you thinking about? Um, usually not them. That's a hint. That's a sign. Okay. Not a sign that you're a dyke. Maybe you are bi. With, you know, a really strong sort of leaning towards women. Maybe you won't be satisfied and happy and fully realized, actually, if you don't get some dudes, too, with the girls. That you want some dude energy and some male energy. There's a lot of lesbian-identified folks out there who sometimes mess around with guys. But you will not be happy and fully no, integrated. I'm not right now, so. and, and it's not fair to the guys you're fucking. No, I've, uh... I fucked for some people pretty hard because I just can't. And it's not fair, and you're not being fair to you. No, I'm not, and I haven't been for years. So let go of the fear of being perceived as a lesbian. There's, it's not like being perceived as a child molester or <laughs> a Republican. There's nothing wrong with being a lesbian. No, there isn't. So stop acting like there is. And if people want to perceive right. you as a lesbian before you start identifying as a lesbian, who gives a shit? You might actually get some of the sex you want then. That's true, yeah. People actually thought that I might be a lesbian. Probably be easier for me to score some chicks. Yeah, yeah, there's a direct relationship. There's a really strong correlation between being perceived as a lesbian and having lesbians sex. 
you up. All right? <laughs> All right. Good luck. Hi, Dan. This is Adam. Um, don't have a question about myself. Um, it's for my younger brother who's in treatment for heroin right now. And I couldn't be more proud of him for the way that he's come to us with his problems and um, voluntarily put himself in. And all the good decisions that he's made, there's just one serious problem, which is that he still um, wants to keep his psycho-controlling, super bitch-insecure ex- kind of ex-girlfriend um, in the picture during this process. Um, <laughs> she, there are too many stories about her wild behavior to recount, but um, just for an example, the last day before he went into detox, she brought her mother over to yell at us um, she presided over most of his downslide into these drugs. She's a huge enabler. Um, and I just, I want to know a way to kind of talk to him about her and tell him how I feel about it without being unpositive. Uh, I don't know. She infuriates me and everyone else with her wild antics and her total ridiculous, bullying, horrible behavior. Congrats to your brother for getting into rehab and detoxing. If he's in rehab, though, he's probably working with a counselor, and I would encourage you and your parents and siblings, whoever else feels that this woman is a big part of his problem, to approach his counselor and schedule a session where you all can have a little intervention and talk to him in a controlled way and with the counselor acting as a facilitator and an impartial third party about his girlfriend and the problem that she represents. If she's toxic and he's detoxing, now might be the time that she has to go. And a counselor acting as a disinterested third party may be able to help him see that. Hey, Dan and Tech Savvy at Rescue. Uh, I'm a 38-year-old straight male, uh, married uh, for I think like six or seven years. Um, and uh, my relationship with my wife is very great, uh, always has been, sexually awesome. Uh, but we just had our third kid on at the end of February, um, so it's been a few months now, and I'm going to sound like an asshole, and that's why I'm calling you, and I know I'm being an asshole, but, you know, oh God, I feel like a jerk even saying it, but she's breastfeeding, she, you know, she's still kind of got a little chubby because she had the baby, and I'm just not sexually aroused and I know that I need to just fuck up, shut up, man up and fuck her but I'm having a real difficult time doing that and uh, so I'm calling hopefully you can uh, knock me upside the head and and, uh, tell me I'm being a a real fucking jerk and uh, you know I've tried a couple things watching porn kind of before she gets home or having a few drinks and I don't know I know I'm a I know I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole for not doing this, and I don't think it's a long-term thing. Um, but it's just strange because I never thought that would happen. It didn't happen after the first baby or the second baby. This is our third kid. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm turning 38 and older, but I think mostly I'm just being an asshole. I'm not being mean or rude to her. I still love her. We get along great. I'm just not fucking her. And, uh, you know, when she's kind of dropping hints and stuff, so... 
cuss me out, man. Tell me I'm being an asshole. I can't order your dick to get hard. I don't have that power over my own husband. I'm not going to have that power over your wife's husband. I would challenge you to consider, though, you know, you, you say you're not attracted to her physically right now. She's a little chubby, a little birth weight. Uh, she's still breastfeeding. And that's very interesting that those weren't impediments the, the previous two times she gave birth. Uh, I think is significant that there's something else going on here and you need to perhaps discuss that with the wife and it would be terrific if you could just honestly say I'm not really feeling it right now and I don't understand why and you can rule out the birth weight and the breastfeeding because those were issues before and they weren't impediments before so I would encourage you not to fixate on those as the reason. Perhaps something else is going on. Perhaps you're both really stressed out. Perhaps having three kids has reached this tipping point of chaos that is leaving you not feeling terribly, terribly aroused. Whose idea was the third kid? Do you want the third kid? Is there some resentment under the surface here? Talk about it with the wife. If that's the kind of conversation that you guys can have, if you have the sort of relationship where you can discuss the, you know, what you don't know and how you're feeling without it becoming, you know, nuclear war and mutually assured destruction. And then I would challenge you to consider the long term. You know, you're in your late 30s now, so is the wife. Your late 40s are on the horizon and then your 50s, uh, gravity, age, troll, it's coming for you. At a certain point in a mega long-term relationship and a certain point in a multi-decade long-term relationship – there's a gear shift where the arousal and sexual response shifts from kind of mostly or purely physical, I'm physically attracted to my wife, to sort of emotional attraction and a degree of intimacy and love and security. And that has to begin to compensate for the complete disintegration of your looks and hers. You may need to get to that point now where the sex act is less – Look at her making my dick hard. Let's go bang to I love her. She makes my dick hard. Let's go cement that love with a little uh, bodily fluid swap-a-thon. But I don't think you should think of yourself as an asshole. There's some impediment right now. There's some block and you need to become unblocked. Think about you know how much you love her. Think about what you guys could do a little differently that will make you feel under a little less pressure to perform like she's dropping the hints that you're not feeling it. You should be able to say that to her in a long-term relationship. You should be able to say, I I'm hearing the hints and for some reason I'm not feeling it. What do we, we need to like figure this out because I, I, I want to be there for you physically, but there's something in the way. And then, you know, fucking leave off the weight and the breastfeeding part. Cause I don't think that's it because that was not the problem previously. And then solve the problem together. I think just, confessing to the wife that you're not feeling it will make you feel under less pressure and then she won't feel so rejected right now she's dropping hints and getting nothing from you in return and doesn't know why and if you just tell the truth i'm not feeling it and i want to feel it you clearly do listen to you you clearly feel bad about not feeling it maybe you two working on it together can get you back in a groove by addressing some of the other things that might be going on here. Stress, chaos, resentment, other things need to be resolved and settled. And then hopefully uh, you guys will be back in her saddle. 
Hi. Um, I've been dating this very nice boy. We are just out of college, and he has um, he's very smart, very nice. He's uh, very successful. But in the bedroom, he has no idea what to do because he went to a boarding school that disallowed any sort of boy-girl interaction. So for whatever reason, he never got on the up-and-up as far as how to treat a woman right. And I come from a very sexual background, and I haven't had sex with lots of guys, but I certainly know what I want. And I try to tell him what I want. And because he's so in control in every other part of his life, when we start doing things, it... uh. It just doesn't work out, and then he gets frustrated and cries, and then we don't talk about it, and he refuses to really talk about it in the daytime. And uh, I just don't know what to do, because I like him a lot, and he's great in all the other areas, but sexually, it just isn't working out, and I just don't know what to do. So I guess, how can I facilitate an open discussion about this without having to break up with him? So what are you saying to this boy that makes him burst into tears in the middle of the night? Oh, my God. Uh, just like, I come from a pretty, not vast experience. I certainly haven't slept with too many people. Like, probably, like, I don't know, like You've slept 10. with just the right number of people. Just the right number for, you know, a girl in her early 20s. Um, and I just, it, it happens to be something that's pretty important to me as far as, like, illustrating uh, how people feel about the other person. Like, you know, I care about you, I love you so much, so I want to have sex with you sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah. Um, what are you saying that makes him burst into tears? Um, I'm trying to get a handle like, on what your technique is here for the criticism, because, you know, is he a weepy bag of slop, or are you saying something that's so shredding that any man would burst into tears, or is it him? No, it's, uh, if he bursts into tears because I say, you know, why don't we try this? Well, like, we'll start to fool around. And then, and then I'll be like, okay, and then we start, and I'm like, touch me here. Why don't you, um, you know, because we'll start to fool around, and I'll do all the work, and I'll start, like, you know, like, giving him a hand job and start, you know, like, giving him a blow job to start kind of getting his, rev- revving his engines going. And then they'll be like, okay, what do you want to do to me? Because I don't feel like I should have to be like, touch me here, touch my boobs, kiss my boobs, you know? Mm-hmm. Why don't you start going down on me? And I'll, like, and eventually I'll be like, look, what do you want to do? Because I know you have it in you. And then he'll start crying and being like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I want to please you, but I don't know how. I love you so much. But, okay, well, why don't you, know, you, instead of asking him these essay questions, why don't you give him some multiple choice questions? Right. What do and you want to do? I, Phil, you know, that's an essay question. You will now do A, B, or C. That's multiple choice. Those tests are easier. Okay, I guess it does make sense. Uh, yeah, it's, but he does sound, I mean, he does sound like he's either really innocent, really inept, really insecure, something's up, and you need to break him of it. So I don't want to fault you, because I think what do you want to do and you need to please me are totally legit questions for anybody else, but perhaps this guy who sounds kind well, he, of yeah, paralyzed by his inexperience. Yeah, I think that's it, because he did have sex before we were together, but I'm sort of his first, like, committed relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went to a boarding school in high school, like during those very early developmental years, where uh, they separated the boys and the girls, like for the whole time. It was a boarding school, and like it was only till the very end. It was uh, one of the treatment centers, in which I don't even think he was supposed to be in any way. His parents just kind of didn't know what to do with him and shipped him off to places where like kids are there for like major, major issues. Okay, well, I and would, so I, think- I would be curious to know, you know, in that kind of environment, I hate to sound like Dr. Drew, but in that kind of environment, yeah. there's a lot of sexual abuse. 
and uh, sexual guilt trippings and you know who knows yeah, it's definitely if there's guilt. something it's deeper and darker going on here about his inability to act as opposed to be acted upon sexually what you yeah. do need to tell him though is the tears stop now because that at a certain point that becomes just manipulative behavior where you're not allowed to criticize for fear of, or you stop criticizing, or you know, giving input for fear of him losing his shit and bursting into fucking. Yeah, tears. and it, it's like it's never like we never talk about it, and like this is always like at three in the morning when like we've been out and then we come back and we start. Okay, well, you know, like, it's time to start talking about it sober during the day in a constructive way. You don't have to be like reprimanding him, but you need of to like not. I get to a point that. where you're. You you have a sexual relationship with him. You should say this to him. I have a sexual relationship with you. We have to be able to talk about sex in a fun, positive, constructive way. This isn't. I'm not going to list your faults, but you know, we need to like get into the swing of it. We need to build a sexual rapport with one another if we're going to have a sexual relationship that's successful. So let's talk about you and what you're interested in, what you want to do, and and why you're blocked, and you know why. You're afraid to touch me. You shouldn't be afraid to touch me. You should be afraid to go for it. What are your fantasies? Like, draw. you have to draw him out. Yeah, that does all sound like that. Because, yeah, that, that's, those are really great. But you can't, but you can't, you <laughs> can't be manipulated by the tears. And when he starts crying, you, ha- you can't, like, get angry at him for crying. But you have to be like, that's not. That's not helpful. That's not helpful. It's also, like, bullshit. You're getting a blowjob. <laughs> Stop crying. Yeah. And, and if you cry during blowjobs, you need a therapist, not a girlfriend. Like at yeah, a certain well, point, no, you have to say just, you are so. Just di- when he gets really frustrated with himself, and then feels like he's not right. But what he might like, be doing at that moment is beating him up so hard so that you won't beat him up. In which case, it's just manipulative bullshit. Oh yeah. Because you no, you have a right sense. to feel dissatisfied if he isn't touching you. No, exactly. Especially because the last relationship I had, it was it was. Oh my god, I can't even describe it. It was happening. You know, if I had a boyfriend who every time we had sex wound up, you know, sobbing in the fetal position. I would think yeah. this person isn't ready for a relationship. Yeah, no. And, yeah, uh, you know, however good it is, however loving and wonderful and fucking copacetic, the rest of it is. If he's no, not yeah, no, that all, healthy that all enough to be sense. intimate without shattering every single fucking time, he's not ready for a relationship, he's not ready for you. So at a certain point, mm-hmm. you might have to give him his walking papers if you can't... If we can't talk about it in a fun, positive... Upbeat way, and, you can't, and he can't take a little criticism and a little input. And there might, you know, God, hearing about it just makes me think, what's going on in him? People, you know, people get angry when they get criticized. People feel, you know, insecure. It can, you know, steal their boner away. It can make them, you know, reluctant to, to make themselves vulnerable and, and be sexually active. Rare is the dude who, when told to touch my pussy, cries. Well, it's not. It's not like every single time I say that. It's. It's just sort of like it'll eventually build up to this whole like, oh, I'm so frustrated with myself, uh, and uh, and then you know it's just it's just not fun. It's draw them out. And it's, draw them like, out. It's incredibly. It's incredibly unattractive. And it cre- like, you know it's I've creating actually... a disincentive to be sexually active with him. So it might be a way for him to drive you off too. But you need to draw them out. You need to have conversations. You need to initiate conversations when you're not fucking. When it's not three o'clock in the morning. When you haven't been drinking. And if you can't have those conversations, you need to tell him you need a therapist, not a girlfriend. You're not. Yeah. I'll see you in five years when you're healthy. Yeah. No, I think. Uh, yeah, I just literally needed to know exactly what to say <laughs> without like being like. Because, I mean, I do, I think he's very nice, you know, he's very nice and he's very smart and, you know, he's incredibly capable in every other facet of his life, too. Like, he's not a weak guy. Like, he's, 
he is a go-getter. He is, in, you know, a prodigy in his field, and, you know, it's just... So I think that also is just sort of like, I'm good at everything else. Why aren't I good at this sort of stuff, too? And he can get good. He can get good at it. That's what first relationships are about. He can get good at it. And you're you're an opportunity. He can regard you as a test he can ace uh, eventually, or he can regard you as someone he's already failed. But that's totally his choice. Great. And he's being a douchebag about it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Have a great day. You too. Bye. Hi, I'm calling in regards to the guy from episode 190 who was worried about his porn addiction. Um, I had a, well, I had a boyfriend. I am actually living with my boyfriend who was so worried that he had one because he comes from a very staunch Mormon family where, you know, any kind of piece of porn is a no-no. Um, so I guess my advice to him, coming from a woman's perspective, do I always like it? No, I don't really like it. But at the same time, do I want it to become such an issue that we break up? No. Would I rather him lie to me about it? Absolutely not. Any sort of dishonesty, you know, he has he has a right to to his own privacy. He has a right to jerk off whenever he wants. Um, so we have kind of come up with a little system. I've told him, you know what, as long as you are honest with me about it and you don't lie to me, then I don't care. He can do it whenever he wants. Good hell, we have a room where he puts a sock on the door if he wants to. And I will never bother him. So I guess, and not every woman is like that. I mean, that's completely true. But, you know, I guess my biggest thing when I started to be okay with it was when he started to share it with me. So instead of being, like, completely mortified that he's got, you know, a couple DVDs or he watched porn on the Internet, he popped one in, and we watched them together. And I'll tell you what, that was one of the hottest nights I've ever had. And not only that, I mean, once you let her into that world... You can share it. Kind of, I mean, kind of along the same lines that Dan kind of told you, but at the same time, like, being able to share that, because it is naughty, and it's fun to be naughty. And, you know, in turn, if she is really into watching the porn with you, but I have to be honest, that's where a lot of women get their moves, at least women in my circle and myself. So I guess that would that would be my, I mean, my advice. And as far as her opening up sexually, um, I was sort of a slut for, I don't know, four or five years, and since I've been with my boyfriend, it took me two and a half years, but we have having ill sex now. And, you know, sometimes watching the porn makes you want to be that naughty. Hi, Dan. I was just listening to the podcast where a woman called about uh, her concern regarding fisting and an IUD. And I just wanted to let her know I was looking at an IUD and um, there were some issues with it. And I was told about something that's a little bit newer, um, but it's called an implanon, and it basically is just inserted just under the skin in your arm, and it's good for three years, not quite as long as an IUD, but it works just as well, uh, same concept, essentially, and, uh, you know, they lidocaine you, you don't feel a thing. It's so much easier, a lot less discomfort than getting an IUD put in, and she won't have to worry about that string or anything regarding the fisting. Good for three years, so consider the implanon. Hi, Dan. Um, I just have to say that we were listening to your show, and afterwards, my husband majorly lifted my luggage. so hot. Anyway, keep up the good work. Love you. I love you, too. I love all of you, especially the ones of you out there who have gone to the iTunes store and purchased the Savage Love app, which I am required to say, uh, or the tech savvy at-risk youth will beat me about the head and neck with... 
overripe bananas. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to call with a question or comment for a future show, give us a buzz. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. Or you can, again, buy the Savage Love iPhone app at the iTunes Store and get the Savage Love Letter of the Day delivered directly to your phone. And, of course, there's the print edition of Savage Love, my advice column, which you'll find in alternative weekly newspapers all over the United States and Canada, including the Philadelphia Weekly in Philadelphia. The number again, 206-201-2720. Me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for downloading.